You know, if you go to the doctor with a problem, you won't, you're going to the doctors because you believe he can get to the issue and help you. Let's say you go to the doctor, you've been swimming a lot, and you go to the doctor, you go, my ear's hurting, I have a slight fever. What do you think it could be? And if he says it's an ingrown toenail, you probably need to go to another doctor, correct? Because what would that be? Your ear's hurting, you swim a lot, slight fever. What might that be? Swimmer's ear, that, that pretty simple issue to get to. Well, this morning in Luke chapter 6, Jesus is going to go a really simple route to get to the issue with you and me. Luke chapter 6, we're going to be in verse 43 through 45. Again, Jesus, obviously the doctor of doctors, Luke was a medical doctor, pointing out to us what we need to see about us. Here's the first thing. And before I say this, let me, let me just pause and say, in two weeks, we're going to talk about judging other people. That's a pretty good sermon as we get ready for school to kick off, but pretty good for all of us, no matter our age. But this morning, I really want you to think about yourself. And by the way, judging other people won't be about we should do that anyway. But I really want you to focus on yourself this morning and let God uh, really, really search your heart. Here's the first thing. Our actions show who we are. When Jesus says, I want to get to the root of your life this morning, it begins with this. Our actions consistently over time tell the world who we are. In verse 43, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. The word good in verse 43 means moral or virtuous. The word bad means corrupt or bad or rotten. He continues in verse 44, and he says, A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never never gathered from a thorn bush, and grapes are not picked from a bramble bush. Uh, In Jesus' day in Palestine, the two most common crops, two of the most common crops were grapes and figs. They were often harvested together. So Jesus' hearers understood this illustration very well. It's also interesting, there was a, a bush called a buckthorn, and the buckthorn produce these little blackberries that looked from a distance like they were young grapes, but they weren't grapes. They were little black berries. There was also a thistle that produced a flower that from a distance looked like a fig. But when you got up close and you looked at it, especially you touched it, it was not a a fig. It was just a, a flower that looked like a fig. And what Jesus is saying here, very simply, but very profoundly, he's saying you don't have to be a horticultural expert to know what type of tree it is when the fruit is hanging off of it. An apple tree produces apple. A peach tree produces peaches. And and again, if you don't know anything about trees, you can look at what they're producing at certain times of year and tell. I've lived out by the, the Mitch and Peach Orchard for 13 and a half years. I've never ever drove by the peach orchard and seen a watermelon hanging from a peach tree. It's just never happened. Now, I don't drink or do drugs. Maybe it would if you did that, but it it, it never happens. You don't see apples hanging from a peach tree. What do you see hanging from a peach tree? You see peaches. And what Jesus says is the consistent behavior of your life and my life. Matthew 7, this story is mirrored. And, and it talks about our actions specifically there. Your behavior and my behavior, the way we consistently live, we all have hiccups. 
But the way we consistently live shows who we are. Here's another thing Jesus says, and this is uh, maybe in some ways tougher. Our words show who we are. Our mouths show who we are. In verse 45, it says, A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from your heart. It flows from your core. Now, remember, the New Testament was written in the Greek language originally. And the Greek language was a more expressive language for ours. So when you see in verse 43 the word good, and in verse 45, they're, they're slightly different Greek words with a little bit different meanings. And, and it is, uh, I, I think it's significant, the word good in verse 45 means benevolent are profitable, are beneficial. You benefit other people. Or are you evil, diseased, or corrupt? Jesus said this, your behavior, my behavior, shows the world, shows other people who we genuinely are. Then he said this, not only your behavior, but your words. Your words, what we say, not your hiccups. Uh, we all have hiccups. Last week I was having a computer problem. Have, you ever have a computer problem? It makes you want to hiccup, doesn't it? And I couldn't get it fixed. Finally, I went to my assistant, Brenda, and I said, Brenda, I don't know if you remember how to cuss, but work on this for a few minutes and it's going to come back to you probably. <laughs> we all have hiccups, amen? So we're not talking about hiccups. We're talking about the consistency of your speech and your life. I want to read to you, uh, and I need to ask Greg Phillips sometime to share some he's heard because I'm sure they're similar. These are some insurance uh, reports that people had after accident. Greg, you've probably heard these kind of things. This... This guy literally said this to his insurance uh, agent. I was coming home. I drove into the wrong house and collided with a tree I don't have. I know y'all aren't real sharp this morning, but that is funny. A pedestrian hit me and went under my car. You're talking about an excuse maker. The guy was all over the road. I had to swerve a number of times before I hit him. Don't you like that? I've been driving for 40 years when I fell asleep at the wheel and had an accident. You know, if you've been driving for 40 years, you deserve to fall asleep at the wheel, don't you? I'm not sure if this is funny or not. He says, I, I was driving and I, I wasn't sure the old fellow was going to be able to make it across the road, so I hit him. <laughs> Wouldn't you say that their words shows confusion of their hearts or either deception, one or the other? Listen to this. This is more serious and it's very interesting how it coincides with what Jesus said 2,000 years ago. In a book titled The Secret Lives of Pronouns, social psychologist James Pennebaker has spent years researching the significance of our words. With a team of graduate students through the years, he developed a sophisticated computer program that analyzes what our words say about us. Based on Dr. Pennebaker's research, he claims that our words that we generate over a lifetime, listen, that your words, this is a social psychologist, are like fingerprints. They identify you. Isn't that interesting? Even small words are, are, are what we call, he calls stealth words, pronouns, I, you, we, they, prepositions, to, for, over, broadcast the kind of people that we really are. Isn't that neat? Jesus said that 2,000 years ago. Jesus says what comes from your mouth is what's coming from your heart. What comes from your mouth shows who you really and genuinely are. Years ago at one of my churches, I, I had a family coming, 
and I uh, became fairly close with the, with the families, extended group of people. And I went and ate and visited with one of the, uh, the lady's husbands. And he was probably the most vile, profane person uh, I've been around in years. Now, I, I, I worked construction for years. I'd played uh, sports for years. And I'm not saying that all athletes and construction workers are, are major league cussers, but some of them are pretty good at it. And, uh, and I didn't become a Christian until I was 19, so I'd been around that. My ears were not pure is what I'm trying to tell you. But this guy was so profane. I don't mean dirty jokes. I just mean almost every word that came out of his mouth. Sometimes because you're a preacher, people will be a little bit nicer. He wasn't. And the little bit I got to know him, I mean, I'm not trying to, I wasn't trying to judge him at all, but man, I knew something was wrong in his heart. I mean, you just don't take God's name in vain every other breath with something not being wrong. It's an indicator of your heart. So here's, here's what I want us to do this morning. Who are you and who am I? If we're looking at our behavior and we're looking at our words, not the hiccups, but the consistency of who, uh, who are you And who am I? In verse 45, if you're curious, this was the Lord and Savior who said, a good person produces good things from the treasury of their heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of their heart. Behavior, and he ends it, what flows from your your mouth is coming from your, your heart. Wow. So here's what I want us to do. Let's take just a second. Let's examine our behavior. Let's look at your behavior and let's look at my behavior. Don't think of somebody else. I know that you, you and I, I know 50 people who need to hear this sermon, but believe me, they're not here. They never come when it's a sermon like this that you want them to hear. So just examine yourself. How, what does your behavior say about you? Are you ethical? Are you unethical? You cut corners. Well, hey, everybody cheats a little bit in business. Everybody fudges. No, they don't. Are you ethical? Are you unethical? Are you moral? Are you immoral? Young people in front of me, look at me for just a second. Here's what the world says today. Have sex. As long as both people agree, it's okay. And it doesn't matter who it is with. Both people agree, it's okay. That's not what God says. And some of you who are older and you're married, you go, well, man, you know, I'm I'm faithful most of the time. (sighs) That's like being accurate at a nuclear plant half the time. Good job there. Well, I mean, most people cheat on their spouse occasionally. That's what statistics say. It's going to happen. But it's wrong. Are you moral? Are you immoral? Your behavior, I'm not talking about a hiccup. I'm not talking about a sinful mistake. I'm talking about a consistent behavior of your life. Are you mean? Are you kind? To me, one of the most oxymoronic statements is a mean Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm just mean for the Messiah. You're a moron. An oxymoron is a contradiction in terms. A mean Christian is a contradiction in terms. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Amen. Are you mean or are you kind? Well, Grandpa was mean. Dad was mean. I'm just mean. Your heart's sick. Your dad and granddad may have poured into it, but clean it up. Are you arrogant? Are you humble? See, some people are going, man, I'm not immoral. I'm not mean. I'm just better than everybody else. Are you humble? Are you teachable? 
Are you the rebel without a cause? Are you teachable? Are you loyal? Are you disloyal? We are in a society today where loyalty doesn't last very long. Are you, are you loyal? Are you selfish? You're selfish. Is God really your priority? Now, listen, we say God is our priority, right? We say it a whole lot. Jesus said you're going to know people by their fruits, by their behavior. How much did you read your Bible this week? If you're a Christian, how much did you read your Bible this week? How, how much did you pray? Hey, you're in church. That is awesome. That shows a priority. A lot of people today say, hey, I love Jesus. I just don't have to go to church. That's, that's just wrong. How, how do you serve God? What, what does your service show? What about when the offering plate's passed in a little while? Are you going to act like it's got germs all over it and pass it with your elbow so you don't have to touch it or put anything in it? See, our behavior, what we do, shows who we are. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Man, you need to memorize these verses. Jesus says, these are the fruit of the Spirit. This is the evidence that the Holy Spirit has you and is coming out of you. Well, boy, they're a good preacher or they sing well or you know what? They know a lot about the Bible. You can know all that and spend eternity in hell. But but the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence God's in your life comes in you and out of you is you're loving, you're joyful, you're peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and self-controlled. And he says the end of that, you don't have to regulate that. When someone's like that, that's awesome. Let me ask you this morning, what does your behavior say about you? Genuinely and sincerely, what does it say about you? Say you're a committed Christian? Does it say you don't know Christ? Does it say maybe you're a Christian, you're just upside down in your faith right now? What does your behavior say? What does your words say about you? What, what do your words say about you? You know, even in a good sense, what a person talks about tells a lot about them, doesn't it? Several years ago, Cindy and I went to New York City for Thanksgiving, and, and New York City is a great place, and it really makes you appreciate Ruston when you come back home to Ruston. And you wait in the traffic light down here for one minute, and you're mad because traffic's bad. Now, go to New York for a day. But we, we landed in New Jersey, and we had a long cab ride back over to Manhattan to our hotel. And so we're riding with this guy, and we're talking to him. And, and, uh, and so I started asking him, I said, hey, do you know where the Brooklyn Tabernacle famous church is? And he goes, no, I don't know where that is. And I said, well, do you know where this Marble Collegiate Church, another famous church is? And he said, no, I don't know. And he turned around and kind of looked at him, what do you do for a living? And I said, I'm a preacher. He goes, yeah, I figured that. My words gave me away, I guess. Our words do give us away. What, what, tell us about your words. Tell yourself about your words. Are you, are you, you vulgar or are you pure? I mean, everybody cusses, don't they? I mean, everybody will tell a dirty joke every now and then, don't they? So that makes it right. No. Are you vile or are you pure? Are you negative or are you positive? I'm not negative. I'm just a realist. If that's what you say about yourself, you're a negative person. (laughs) I love it when I hear people say that. I'm not a negative. I'm just realistic. No, you're realistically negative. Daddy was negative. Grandpa was negative. My uncle was negative. We're just all born negative. Well, let's fix that this morning. Some spiritual shock treatment. You divisive or you a unifier. 
You honest or you dishonest? Do you shade things just a tad? You fudge things just a little bit? Or you just not tell the truth sometimes? No, I'm not going to pick on any one side. I'll just pick on them both the whole uh, season. If you have children under 18, do not let them watch anything in the presidential election the next few months, correct? Uh, and, and I'm not going to talk about the Democrats. They've got their problems. I'm going to talk about the Republicans right now. Two, two weeks ago, one of the Republican candidates who didn't get the nomination for presidency came out and said, I will not endorse, uh, I will not endorse Donald Trump. And so then they go back and they go, wait a second, you know, he said, along with his other candidates, four or five months earlier, he was going to endorse, y'all know what I'm talking about, that he would endorse. They all, they all agreed they were going to endorse whoever the candidate was. And they showed that clip where he said, I won't endorse him. And then they went back five months, said that I will endorse whoever the candidate is. And it was a talk show. And so someone called in and they asked one of the commentators, they go, well, wait a second. This guy gave his word and said he was going to do it. The commentator started laughing. He goes, if you expect those people in Washington to, to do what they say they're going to do, you are, you're crazy. And everybody laughed. And I just thought, how sick is that? Friend, I don't care if the president or the king or the queen does it. When people say one thing and do another, the word for that is L-I-E. Read this when you get home. Revelation 21.8. Revelation 21.8 lists eight people who are going to be in hell. Do you know that? Eight people. Eight types of people. And you know one of them's a liar? Isn't that interesting? Your mother told you liars go to hell. She was actually, she didn't know it. She was quoting not great-grandmother, but Revelation 21.8. Now, what does that mean? It means the person who habitually, who is a consistently dishonest person, doesn't know Christ. Are you honest? Are you dishonest with your words? What, what a wonderful thing in a political season for us to ask this morning. Are you an encourager or a discourager? Are you a self-promoter? Listen to yourself. Are you, the, are you the hero or the source of all your conversations? You get bored when someone starts talking about something besides you. Are you proud or are you ashamed of Jesus Christ? Man, I hope you're proud of, of LSU. I hope you're proud of Tech. I hope you're proud of Grambling and Ruston and Cedar Creek and wherever it, else it is. The Saints, anybody but the Cowboys, I hope you're proud of them. But are you proud of Jesus? Are you ashamed of Jesus? Our words speak. Again, listen, Jesus knew, Jesus knew that, that we're all fallible and that we're all not going to consistently be perfect in our behavior or consistently be perfect in our words. But he said this, your behavior, my behavior, your words, my words are a reflection of who we really are. Who are you this morning? And lastly, I want to ask you, what are you going to do about this this morning? You, 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 are, you and I are in one of three spots today. Some of you look at this and you're being humble and you're being honest and you can say, I'm not perfect, but my behavior and my words line up with who I'm trying to be in Jesus Christ. Not perfect, but but. There, I, I'm doing okay. And I want to tell you, you keep it up. You stay the course because, man, you can get off in this uh, in, in a week, okay? Some of us are looking and going, you know what? There's a problem. Uh, there's a problem. 
when I look at my behavior and my words. I mean, I can say the right things if I need to, but my consistent behavior and words are not good. And some of us are looking this morning, we're going, you know what? We are in trouble if we honestly evaluate ourselves objectively by our behavior and our words. Let me, let me tell you a couple of things. One, this is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. I want to read verse 45 one last time. Jesus said, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Your heart biblically, your heart biblically is not your anatomical heart. It's your mind. It's your thoughts. It's your will. It's who you are. So this is a core issue of of our lives. And and what what needs to happen is we need to let Jesus this morning and maybe this afternoon, the days ahead, we need to let him do a a heart cath, a spiritual heart cath on us. You know what a heart cath is? A a heart cath is when the doctor takes an instrument and he goes through your arm or your leg through an artery and he comes up into your, literally to your heart and he can see what's going on in your heart. And and a doctor can listen through a stethoscope or they can do blood work or they can put you on a treadmill and run you till you faint and, and, and get some information. But unless they open up your chest or they come into your body, they can't fully tell what's going on. And, and Jesus, folks, let me tell you, Jesus can do a spiritual heart cath on you this morning. And, and I've, I've never had a heart cath, thank goodness, because I'm afraid they would look and go, it's clogged with donuts and ice cream. And I would say, well, you know, that was Wednesday night. But Jesus, you know, people who've told me who've had heart casts, the doctor will be talking to you. Hey, here's what's going on. You want to look at your heart and see how, you know, you've treated so poorly all these years or whatever. Uh, Jesus wants to talk to you this morning. He wants you to listen, and he wants to show you what's in your heart. And maybe one of two things needs to happen. It does in, in a lot of people's lives in here this morning. One of two things. Here's the, here's the first thing. Some of us need a radical heart surgery. You're a Christian. You, you have given your life to Christ, but the truth is your behavior and your words are not what God would have them to be. They're not what God would have them to be. And you can make excuses. You can blame other people. But let me tell you, always remember someday when you stand before God, God's going to hold you accountable for your life. So look at yourself in the mirror is what God says. Let's examine ourselves. You know, a, a doctor can try to treat you, your, your physical heart by exercise, by medicine, uh, by different things. But, but it may get to a point they have to do a, a, a stent where they do a catheterization, but they come into your heart and they literally open up those arteries so you can get blood flowing again. Or they have to do bypass surgery to rip your chest open and, and attach new arteries to get blood flowing in your heart again. In, in some of our lives today, that's what needs to happen. You've got Christ, but you need it cleaned up and cleaned out by being honest and repenting and getting real with God. God says, listen, your behavior and your words show who you are. Quit trying to hide it. Quit trying to deny it. Quit trying to camouflage it, even with spiritual and religious stuff. Be honest. Do you need this morning for Jesus to come in and do a radical, fresh work in your heart, Christian? But some of us need more than that. We need a new heart. 
We need a brand new heart today. I mean, we can take the medicine. Some people physically can take the medicine. They can have treatments. They can have stents. They can have bypass surgery. But they're going to die if they don't get a new heart, a transplant. 1989, my first church, there was a man in our church who had needed a heart transplant for about a year. And he got critical. He'd gone down to Houston. He was waiting at Houston to have a heart transplant. One Sunday night before church, we got a phone call. Bob's fixing to get his transplant tonight. So we did church, church is over, I drove down to Houston, and I'd been in the, uh, at this time, I'd been in the hospital when people had had bypass surgeries or when they'd had casts. I'd never been in when someone had a heart transplant. It may be different now, this was years ago, but I want to tell you, it was a radical, it just walking in there was radical. He was on this, I don't know if he was still on the operating table, just in the operating room with, with uh, machines all around him and nurses there. The surgery was over. But you know what I got to thinking? If if they're going to take your heart out and put in another heart, that requires a lot of effort, discipline, and super-duper-duper-duper smart people, right? It's radical. You know, in John 3, 3, when Jesus talks about becoming a Christian, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Isn't that neat? I heard sometime when this person said, I'm a Christian. I'm just not one of those born-again Christians. There isn't such thing. Born again is being a Christian. It's synonymous with being saved. When you place your faith in Christ, if it's real, you are born again. Jesus said becoming a true Christian is so radical, it is a new heart put in you. It It is compared to a new birth. New life begins. And that's what needs to happen in some of our lives. Hoff Schooler is a friend of mine and one of our coaches at Ruston High. And Hoff and I were talking Thursday morning about, uh, about the Wednesday night sermon. He was giving me advice on, you know, it could be better if you did this, you know, trim it down about 10 minutes. And, but what we were talking about Wednesday night were some, some of the profound things Paul had said. And Hoff said, how amazing. Here was a guy, Saul who hated Jesus, the Bible says he was putting out murderous, cursing threats against Christians. Beginning of Acts chapter 9, before the chapter is halfway through, he is born again, and he's preaching the gospel. And Hoff said to me, how amazing that is. You know why that happened? He got a new heart. He got a new heart. And see, that's what needs to happen with some of us. We, we say, well, I've joined a church. I've been baptized. I've been sprinkled. All that's fine. But unless you've been born again, you will never see the kingdom of God. And you say, well, my behavior or my words, I'm not getting these things. I, I struggle. I struggle. I make a recommitment. I do this. Nothing ever changes. Nothing's going to never change until you get a new heart. You remember the guy I mentioned earlier in the sermon that was so vile? I'm telling you, he was so vile. I love people coming to church. I love it. I wasn't excited when I saw him at church that morning. He came to church. I thought, oh, my goodness, he's here. How can I get out without getting, you know, hearing 50 cuss words? I'll fake an injury. What am I going to do at the back door? We gave the invitation he came walking down the aisle with tears in his eyes, grabbed my hand, almost squeezed it off. And he got saved right there in the front of that little church. 
And I want to tell you, he went from being a mean, vile, vulgar person to one of the sweetest, gentlest Christian men in that church. Just like that. Because he got a new heart. Will you let God do this morning whatever it is he needs to do in your life? Let's pray. Jesus, may we be open to you now. And if you're a Christian, I I just, I pray that you will do what you need to do in a moment to be square with Christ. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're unsure if you're a Christian, and you're ready to cross that line with Jesus, to get that new heart, you're ready for that, pray with me where you are. And just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. And Jesus, I accept that you're God's son and that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention just for a second. We're going to stand and when we do, here's here's a couple of options today. Maybe you're here and you'd like to join our church. We would love for you to do that. You you can come when we give the invitation to join. You can catch me or one of the ministers after church and do it. We'd love for you to join our church today. Maybe you're here as a Christian and God's spoken to your heart. And you need to get things right. They're not going to fix themselves. Maybe where you're standing, maybe with a minister down here at the altar on your knees you need to say God do in my heart what you need to do to change me back to you some of you just prayed with me and asked Jesus into your heart are you ready to do that man Jesus can change you this morning and give you a new heart but he's got to have your permission let's stand and you come now as we sing we'll be waiting on you